and Rocky Mountains and the Egyptian army, 600 chariots plus a large army coming closely behind. And they felt there was no way by which they could escape. And of course there would be no way unless the Lord had had arranged a way and a way that no one could think of and yet it was so simple Moses was led by a pillar of cloud and it wasn't his own wisdom that he that led him the way he he brought the children of Israel, but he followed the pillar according to directions from the Lord, and the pillar took them there. And he is praying, but no one hears his prayer. It is a silent prayer to God, and he is crying for deliverance. And the Lord says. Why criest thou unto me? Stretch out thine hand over the sea, and it will part. <clears throat> now, they, they went across the sea and dry land, and the Egyptians, endeavoring to do the same, were drowned. And they came on to Sinai, and it's at Sinai, on a plain there in front of Mount Sinai, the camp stayed and rested. And they rested there for about 40 years, 40, about, <coughs> um, they rested there for nearly two years. Although it took 40 years before uh, they entered the promised land. Now the first thing, and I'm mentioning these things because I, it is impossible to understand what we have in our text without knowing the background to it. And the first thing that was done at Sinai, at Sinai was make a covenant with God, or rather God making a covenant with them. There were no priests ordained, there was no high priest or leader set apart or anything. It was just as they had come out of Egypt in the ignorance of God and of his salvation except by the miracles that they had then, that they had seen by which they escaped out of Egypt. And Moses went into secret conversation and prayer with the Lord. And they arranged there what the Lord demanded of them, that they would be for the Lord and that they would be his people and that he would be their God. And Moses came back and set that covenant between, before them. And they all unanimously declared that they would serve the Lord and the Lord would be their God. And a covenant was sealed, sacrifices were made, and the blood was sprinkled on the word of God and then sprinkled on the people. And thereby they became a dedicated people to the Lord. They themselves made a public profession that they were to serve the Lord and no other God. And it was after that covenant was made at Sinai that Moses then went up 
Mount Sinai. And he was on that mountain for 40 days without eating anything or drinking any kind of drink. And at the end of 40 days, the Lord gave him two tables carved out of the rock and the Ten Commandments written on the two tables. One of the tables contained the, the way by which they were to serve God and the other table how they were to serve their, their, their relationship to all mankind. <clears throat> now Moses came down after 40 days, he was 80 years old when that took place and after fasting for 40 days without food or drink, he came down in heaven wearing uh, these tablets, these tables of stone on which the law of God was written by the finger of God. Whatever is meant by the finger of God, it was made clearly so that it was quite readable. And when, when Moses came down, he, to his astonishment, found that the whole camp of Israel, which he had left in the plain, had turned to idolatry. They did not assume it was idolatry. They thought it was to the Lord, but they made a, they made a golden calf and put off their outer garment and were dancing, worshipping this God through the image of a golden calf. That was the mediator. Now that that sort of thing can go on and down in our own midst and we can have our dances and everything and we do not assume that it is idolatry. You wait until you see Christmas Day which is kept throughout Christendom today and you never saw greater idolatry. We have chosen this day and it's, it's quite evident that it's not the day upon which Christ was born at all. Christ was not born in midwinter at all. There are several, the day has been changed at periods. One time they were holding it in March, another time they were holding it in September, and finally the church united it uh, with, uh, with, a, with the sun worship which was, which was uh, uh, kept throughout the heathen world at that time. And we are joining more and more into this idolatry, and we do not realize that it is idolatry. <clears throat> and idolatry is a very serious uh, sin in the eyes of the Lord. It is a complete departure from himself. And we cannot keep the two. That was the failure of Israel. They thought they could take in Baal worship and unite it with the worship of God. They would sacrifice one day uh, to the Lord and the next day they would be sacrificing to Baal. They would be joining the two together. They had these images in their homes, uh, Baal images uh, and Yet, had they thought they were serving the Lord with all their heart, that the Lord Almighty, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, was was honoured, was honoured by them. Now, we, when Moses came down from the mount. And he saw them 
turned so quickly to idolatry. He broke the two tables of stone which the Lord had carved out and upon which he, has, he had written the Ten Commandments. Now if you think of that act, you might assume, and rightly so, that Moses sinned grievously. There was hardly anything you can imagine that he could take what God had given him and in which he had written the Ten Commandments and broke them deliberately in the presence of the congregation. And he was, he had real seal uh, <coughs> for God. And it was seal for God that produced this. He had seen, he was seeing them turning away to idolatry and while he was interceding on their behalf and coming with the terms, with the way by which they were to live their life according to the law. <clears throat> now these, what Moses did there was actually symbolical if they could if they could understand it the first adam the first man that god created was created out of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life that is what we are informed of by the inspiration of god himself Nobody was there, nobody would know unless it was revealed uh, to Moses uh, by God himself that this is how man was made by the infinite power of God making a man a full man and, and that man which he created in his own image and in his own knowledge with righteousness, with full uh, power to fulfill the Ten Commandments, which was written in his heart. He was made in the image of God, and the image of God was the law written in the faculties of, of Adam's speech. And Adam, very shortly after it was done, we don't know how long, broke the commandments and man was lost man became sinful and Adam was a covenant head and he stood not only for himself but he stood for every individual that would come into the world not just in mass, but for each individual. He stood for you as your covenant head. And when he broke the law, when he sinned against God, uh, the, he put the, the commandments into fragments. If you break one law, one commandment, I should say, if you break one commandment, you're guilty of all. And Moses was trying to bring back this to them, to the children, to the church. How Adam sinned and how they were sinful in their nature. They had what we call original sin and he was seeing it breaking forth here in idolatry. So God commanded him to make another two like unto the first two, ta two uh, tables, but not to write anything on it, on it, but to take it up again to the mount. Now, there is, uh, as I mentioned, it was for the teaching of the New Testament church in particular these things happened. Now you will see the second Adam, 
wasn't made of the dust of the uh, made of the dust of the earth, and, and the Lord didn't bring another new being, but Christ was made of our race. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He was brought up as a child, but God Himself uh, made him perfect. His law was again re-established in the heart of one of our race. And, and Moses takes up the tablets which he himself had cut out, likened to the first, that Christ, you know, in his humanity, he was like the first Adam. But he was made uh, of the substance of the virgin. And God wrote upon his, all the faculties of his being, he wrote the law of God. And he was, he was like that without sin and without original sin. He was the only one who did not come by ordinary generation and, and yet was of our race. And Moses, and Moses went up the second time to the mount and was again on the mount for 40 days and 40 nights without eating food or drinking uh, any kind of liquid. And after the next 40 days, he came down. And when he came down the second time with the law, with the written by the finger of God on the, on the tables that on the tablets that he had carved out himself, like into the first, his face was shining, and the people would not come near him, and he couldn't speak to them, because his face was shining like the sun, and they were terrified. And he realized he himself did not know his face was shining with the glory of God. He had been, you might say, 80 days in intense communion with God without eating food or drinking water or sleeping. He was in constant communion and yet he was coming down in full strength. He wasn't weak, he wasn't carried after all that fasting and coming down with his face shining like a, a heavenly being. And it is after he has come down the second time uh, that we have this intercession. Or between the two, it might be within the two, that he has this intercession with God. The Lord God made an offer to him. And we see the kind of person that Moses was. He said that he would blot out all the descendants of Abraham, the Israelites, and would make Moses another covenant head. And all the descendants of Moses would become the church of Christ. It was a wonderful offer, and offered by God Almighty. And Moses rejected it, and he rejected it not, uh, for, not because he, he realized what had happened and that they were actually guilty and they should be destroyed, but he had concern for the glory of God. What would all the nations say that God took the Israelites out of Egypt in a miraculous way, and yet he failed to bring them into the land of promise. And he was unable to fulfill the promises which he gave to, the, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He was a false god. His promise would be of no, no value ever more. And Moses saw the issues, and he pleaded, no, if, if he were to blot out the church, to blot him out as well. 
So we have the reaction of Moses in the verses we have here. After his intercession and his pleading with God to preserve the people, to fulfill his promise, to bring them into the, into the promised land, and his perseverance in prayer, his pleading with God, received an answer, and he said that he would bring the people into the land of into the land into the land of Canaan, <clears throat> into the promised land, and that he would send an angel before them. He himself was not going with them anymore. They were too sinful. And Moses again pleaded again and again. Although an angel would be good, it would be not sufficient. He, he wanted himself, to himself to lead them into the promised land, and nothing less would do. Well, see that you're not sufficient with an angel, with a messenger, with a preacher, with anything less than the Lord himself. The Lord is the Saviour. He is at his head of his people, and that is what Moses was pleading for and interceding on behalf of his church that he himself come and lead them and then nothing less would bring them into the promised land. And we have that in the verses I read. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me, the, show me now the way that I may know thee. That, that, that I have found grace in thy sight. <clears throat> and the Lord said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. <clears throat> now the presence was the same presence which led them out of Egypt and led them to the Red Sea, as I mentioned and led them to Sinai. That is, God appeared in a pillar of cloud. The pillar was a, a white cloud, like a pillar, coming down upon, upon it, the tent of the, tent of, of the congregation. And it would rest, and then it would move away, and they would lift the tents, fold them up, and the tabernacle and everything, and follow this cloudy pillar. During the night, it was shining like the moon, and it was light uh, to the Israelites. But it was, when it went behind, it was darkness as it, as it turned to the, to the Egyptians who followed them to destroy them. They were seeing nothing but darkness. <clears throat> now we see <clears throat> we see Moses Moses intercession. <clears throat> no wonder although he he was compared or like and that he acted as a figure representing the Lord Jesus Christ. A prophet likened to me, he shall raise up to him, you will listen. This was, this was a promise for which the Israelites waited for a thousand years for a, promise, for a prophet likened to Moses that was to arise in the church. And they believed also in the Messiah, which was pro promised to them from Moses onward. But Moses identified the Lord Jesus Christ to himself, a prophet likened to me. <clears throat> the Lord shall give you unto him, you will, uh, you will pay attention and believe. Now when 
you remember when, when John the Baptist began to preach in, in the wilderness of Judea, the people went out, and the Pharisees, those who, who, who had uh, the council, sent out messengers to ask John the Baptist, was he the Christ or was he the prophet, the prophet promised by Moses? And he said that he wasn't the prophet and that he wasn't the Christ, that he was just a man crying in wilderness. <clears throat> now the promise given to Moses is one that we should all covet and all seek and it is a prophet, it is a promise that we that we do not need, that we dear, dearly need. <coughs> the promise is my presence shall go with thee. Now that is what Moses prayed for. That is, that was the, the, the whole substance, you might say, of his pleading and of his intercession. God was on the one hand to leave them and give them an angel and, and, to, and he himself was to be absent. Uh, well, there are cases, there are situations arising in the Church of Christ in the world when God withdraws his presence from it. And when the presence of God is withdrawn, uh, we might have the form without its power. And it's a most dangerous situation. Such a situation will not impress a rising generation at all. They are able to assess, they are able to understand that there is nothing in the church, that it's just a form of, a form of worshipping. They know not what. There is no power, there is no influence, and the church, without the presence of God, has no influence in the world and has no influence upon, uh, upon a rising generation. And that is the kind of situation that is growing throughout Scotland and throughout Lewis. <coughs> and uh, <coughs> we can try for a few moments to understand what is the presence of God in the church. God promised it to Moses, and not to Moses only, but to the whole congregation. <clears throat> and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. Now Moses was to be the leader. And he prays that the, that the Lord's presence would be with himself. And by being with himself, that he would be the means of having it all, having the influence of God over the whole, uh, the whole church. <clears throat> My presence shall go with thee. Now we have seen how Moses wrestled at the throne of grace. He, God answered him. God, God gave him other things, offered him other things. And God was speaking to him. And yet he would not accept it unless he would receive the promise that God would be with them and that God would work on their behalf and that it's only by the presence of God that he would overcome all the nations in front and that he would come to possess the promised land. 
And he says, my presence shall go with thee. Now, what is actually the presence of God? Can you, can you understand what the presence of God is? And are you able to understand it? To know that God is with you? And that you can know his presence? Not just assuming that he is, or taking it for granted that he is, but to know it, and to be aware of it, and to have the comfort that Moses received at this time. Well, Moses knew the difficulties ahead. He knew the powers that were against him. Though he had been delivered from the Egyptian powers, he knew also all the nations of the world of that time were between him and the promised land. And the difficulty of, of taking possession of the promised land. <clears throat> now there are, th there are three ways by which we can consider uh, the presence of God. <clears throat> According to his word, the presence of God is infinite. It's, it fills space and matter. As far as your mind can conceive, beyond the most distant star, God is as fully present there as he is here or there. He, he fills all and in all. He is infinite in his presence. So in that sense, he's with and round and, and he's present here. That, is the, that was the teaching of the Apostle Paul through inspiration uh, to the Greek philosophers. <clears throat> that he was everywhere, that it's in him we live and move and have our being. Now, that is very mysterious. We don't feel him, we don't know that, unless the Word of God informed us concerning that very thing, the infinitude of God and that it is in him we live and move and ever be. <clears throat> and not anything comes into existence or perishes but according uh, to the presence of God. <clears throat> then uh, uh, we find this throughout the scriptures. Uh, the, if you read Psalm 139, it verifies what the apostle was saying and what I'm trying to say uh, the infinitude of God is wherever we are, God is there and he knows us, he knows our thoughts before we speak them. <clears throat> but again we have the presence of God mentioned in scriptures concerning the providence of all things. He rules and governs, raises up and casts down. If you would read the book of Daniel, he was seeing the great nations and the great empires that were to arise and how they were to be destroyed, another one rising again in its place. <clears throat> he was seeing the rise of the Roman Empire and its fall. And we have seen in our own day, we have seen the rise and the fall of the British Empire, one of the greatest empires that, 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 ever, that ever came into the world. It was so, it was so wide and so, so great that it was said of it that the sun never went down on it. It was shining on some part of the British Empire uh, throughout the world, in some part of it. <clears throat> and we have seen it, God threw it away as if he would cast something out of its hand. It had no further use for it. The presence of God had, had, been, had been lost. And when we lost the presence of God, God in his providence cast us away. And it does the same thing with an individual as it does with an nation and with an empire. He's the God of providence so that not even a sparrow falleth to the ground without his permission. 
knowing exactly what happens today and tomorrow, and he's ordering all things according to his own infinite counsel. He is the most wise God, and he knows what he's doing and how he will do it. <clears throat> now, if he reveals himself in providence in such a way that it is equally mysterious. What is sometimes what takes place, we assume that it is a great calamity. The crosses that will appear in your own life, you might assume, assume that you suffered a great loss. But the, as the years will come, you will discover that God was in it, and you didn't know it. It was the very, that very calamity was the means of turning you from, uh, from your evil way, or from your carelessness, or bringing you to himself. And God is doing according to his will with the armies of heaven and with the inhabitants of the earth. All things are in his hand. And you look at your own life, see what happens, take note of everything, uh, that things that seem to be out of your control, other things in which he can lead you to do certain things, and perhaps you don't know why you're doing it, but you can find out afterwards that God was in it, and you didn't know. And I'm quite, I'm quite prepared to say that if you do not see or, or understand the mystery of God working in your life and guiding you in a ways that you don't know, you, have, you don't know him at all. Because it's easier to understand in the working of his providence concerning us than he is in any other way. <clears throat> But he is in particular to be known in his saving grace. Now his presence in his, in his saving grace is very different, though it might be again through his providence. They are so united that uh, we cannot uh, hardly separate them because his grace works in a mysterious way. But there is an order in which God comes to dwell in a, per in a sinner's heart. And that is the presence uh, that, that uh, we are referring to now. God dwells in the heart. Now there is, a, there is an order in the Godhead. There are three persons in the Godhead. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now when the Father, when the Father, uh, if we can use the thought, if there is a thought in God, when the Father uh, <clears throat> destined or purposed uh, to create, things, at the same time, the same thing came into the mind of Christ, in the mind of the Son, and in the mind of the Holy Spirit. You know, there were only one God, there were three persons in it, and the one knows the other intimately, and nothing is in one's mind without being in the mind of the other. There is, there is only the, the one God, and the same attributes in all, the same love in, in them all, when, when God resolved to love as sinners, at the same time, it, the same thing rose in the mind, of, in the heart of Christ, I'll, I'll suffer for them. The Holy Spirit, it arose in the Holy Spirit, the same thing, I will apply, uh, I will apply that salvation to sinners. Now, in, in the presence of God, coming uh, with a person, he comes usually with some kind of striving, striving with the sinner to bring him 
are from, from the state he is in. He is in a state of sin, and a state of sin is a state of misery. However much a person may be enjoying the sinful life, remember it is a, it is a state of misery. For in that condition, a person is an heir of eternal condemnation. He is under the guilt of sin and therefore under uh, the condemnation of God. And wh however much he might enjoy the, his condition and, and the amusement of the world and these things, remember that it's a state of condemnation. As if you would see a person condemned to death and dancing in his cell and being most entertained in his, in his cell till the, day of his, till the day of his death. Well, you would say that the person was mad and so anyone would assume. But it's not as foolish as those who are enjoying the pleasures of, see, the pleasures of sin for a season. Dancing on the way to hell is a situation which is to be lamented and to be to be looked on with horror. <clears throat> and, and now the presence of God breaks in upon such a person. And he breaks in by convincing him that he is a sinner. Now it's not in the same way a person will come to the knowledge that he is a sinful being, that he cannot pray, that he cannot do anything uh, right, that he cannot worship God, that he cannot do anything, that he is sinful in his nature. And yet he cannot but pray and ask God to have mercy. <clears throat> and the Spirit of God works mysteriously and the mystery of it, of, of what it does, is called regeneration or a new birth, by which the Spirit of God comes and works in the heart, some with terrific power, others so gently that the person is not aware that it is the Spirit of God who is actually working in his heart at all. But it doesn't matter about the experience of a person at that stage. The main thing is that it is the Spirit of God that works powerfully and begets a new creature by regenerating the heart and enabling a person to believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior provided by God. And the, and in this regeneration or new birth, faith is part of the elements that is begotten in the heart. <clears throat> and faith immediately is exercised upon Jesus Christ. And the moment a person has faith and believes in Jesus Christ, he is immediately justified by God. And the moment he is justified, God adopts that person into his family. And immediately he is adopted, the Spirit of God comes to indwell in that person's heart. So these three, these changes are following so close to each other and the presence of God is with that person by the indwelling of the Spirit of God. And it begins to enlighten the person more and more of his privileges and of his, of his uh, <clears throat> indebtedness to God and says, what shall I render unto God for all his benefits? Now the presence of God in the, by the Holy Spirit in the heart is a privilege that belongs to everyone who has been born again, who has believed in Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God, the presence of God is with that person. But the presence of God can be disturbed if the person 
neglects to pray, neglects to pray, neglects the means of grace, and is not walking according uh, to as he should be according to the according to the word. The, the spirit of God might be grieved in that heart, and the person loses the presence of God. Now. Uh, No, I, I'm sorry, I can't just go on to part I had. I, there's a part there that is most interesting. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give you rest. Now that is, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't develop this. I was going to speak at the, of it in large. This is what Christ uh, promised when he's called to the to the heavy to the burdened and heavy laden to come unto him and find rest rest in Christ rest concerning your eternal salvation rest for your for for every day of your life for concerning uh, concerning the providential uh, moments and everything, your providence is in God's hand and you're finding that you are now in God's family and God is dealing with you as a, with a child and you know that it's, that it's safe, that you are safe in his hands and you will find a rest that passeth understanding. And may we seek that rest. doesn't really matter whatever things we miss. If we find the presence of God by his Holy Spirit indwelling us, and the rest that comes from believing in Christ, that we have a mighty Savior who is interceding on the right hand of God on high, and who is coming again to take his church to the rest he himself has earned and has received for his church. May the Lord enable you to seek that present and to seek that rest. Let us pray. <clears throat> Eternal God, uh, we would seek thy peace and thy presence and thy rest and may we be led by thy spirit unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith bless thine own word follow us with thy favour pardon all our sins and shortcomings accept us in Christ and thine shall be the glory now and forevermore Amen